The University of Florida College of Medicine is accredited by the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education, ACCME, to provide continuing medical education for physicians. The University of Florida College of Medicine designates this enduring material for a maximum of 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. Physicians should claim only the credit commensurate with the extent of their participation in this activity. Welcome to UF Health Med EdCast with UF Health Shands Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole and joining me today is Dr. Abbas Babajani. He's an associate professor in the Department of Neurology in the Division of Epilepsy at the University of Florida College of Medicine, and he's the director of the MEG Laboratory at UF Health Shands Hospital. He's here to talk to us today about magnetoencephalography, or MEG, a window into brain function and dysfunction. Dr. Babajani, it's such a pleasure to have you join us today. I'd like you to start by helping us to understand the basic concepts of MEG technology and its underlying principles. Hello, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for the time that you're providing to me that and talking about the magnetoencephalography, MEG. I'm going to say MEG from the rest of this and all this talk. So MEG is a non-invasive neuroimaging technique used to measure the magnetic field generated by the electrical activity of the brain neurons. So it provides a direct measure of the neural activity with an very high temporal resolution. We are talking about 200 microseconds and a very high you know, spatial resolution in order of millimeters. So MEG detects the very tiny magnetic fields from the brain. When I'm talking to you, a part of my brain named Broca area is active and generating magnetic field. But this magnetic field is very tiny, very tiny. Is it in order of like 100 million times smaller than the magnetic field of the Earth? The magnetic field of Earth is very tiny. So still, this is very, very small brain magnetic field generated by neurons. So to detecting such a small and tiny magnetic field generated by the neuron in the brain, we use a very specific equipment and sensor named SQUID, superconducting quantum interfacing device. This very specific sensor help us to detect this tiny magnetic field of the brain. By having this magnetic field of the brain, we can find the location of the brain, doing what type of activity is doing that, and then with a good spatial and temporal resolution that needed to study the brain. Isn't that fascinating what we're talking about here today, Dr. Babajani? So how does it provide insights into brain function and dysfunction compared to other neuroimaging techniques? Tell us a little bit about some of the advantages compared to other neuroimaging that you might use. So I think that Anamek has several advantages over other neuroimaging techniques. Firstly, it has an exceptional temporal resolution. As I talked to you, it has a temporal resolution in order of 200 microseconds. So it is very, very accurate time-wise. And by doing that, it let us to study the dynamic of the brain function. So brain have you probably heard about that, different waves, a slow wave, very fast waves. So those waves are the basic of the brain function and using this super high resolution technique, we can investigate different function of the brain comparing to other modality, for example, functional MRI, which is also another really good and nice technology 
but it does not have a good temporal resolution. In, uh, temporal resolution is order one second compared to 200 microsecond of MEG. So based on that, for example, if MRI cannot be used for studying the fast dynamic of the brain. Second advantage of MEG is an exceptional and excellent spatial resolution. We are talking about a few millimeter. By having such a great spatial resolution, we can pinpoint any location in the brain to see what's going on at that part of the brain. Also, and I think another important aspect of the MEG is that this technology is non-invasive. Actually, MEG is maybe the most non-invasive technology that you can imagine because the sensor of the MEG even does not touch the head. So comparing to other imaging like PET that you need you know, ionization or radiation, MEG does not have any of them. Completely non-invasive modality that you know, is very safe to use for any kind of you know, disease that appropriate for studying MEG. And also another one important of the MEG is that this technology we can directly access to the brain and our neuron activity compared to other modality, again, like functional MRI, which provide an indirect measure of the neural activity. The technique like MEG provide a direct measure of the brain activity. So this is another unique aspect of this technology. So altogether, and I think an MEG provide a lot of advantage compared to other modalities, but I should say that other modality like a functional MRI, they also have some advantages. And usually in our work, we combine different modalities to benefit from their complementary aspects. Well, thank you for explaining that. So what are some of the most promising clinical applications of MEG? What are you using it for, doctor? Sure. So MEG has FDA approval for uh, epilepsy and brain tumor. So we use MEG for a patient with epilepsy and brain tumor. And actually, MEG is the only technology which provides a one-stop shop for patient with epilepsy so about 30 to 40% of the patient with epilepsy are drug resistant. For those patients, after they fail multiple drug medication, so they need to do at the end of their treatment and you know, doing the epilepsy surgery, they need to resect some part of their brain. So MEG actually is a technology will helps us to exactly find which location of the brain generated the abnormal brain activity of the epilepsy. So that's one aspect of MEG. The another aspect that MEG is doing that, it is also providing the eloquent cortex of the brain means that it will map the language part of the brain, the speech part of the brain, the listening part of the brain, or visual part of the brain. So I think the idea here is, you know, patient with epilepsy after epilepsy surgery, we want to be the cure after resecting the brain, but we don't want, they cannot talk and walk. So make provide a comprehensive function of the brain in addition to location of the brain that has epilepsy, provide this information for the neurosurgeon and neurologist to do the treatment for patient with epilepsy. So that's the clinical application, which has FDA approval for MEG. But MEG has an endless application in research in many neurological diseases. For example, in Parkinson's disease, MEG can be used to find the coherence between the deep structure like thalamus and how that malfunction, the connection between thalamus and the motor cortex of the brain. MEG can be used for that. For patients with Alzheimer's disease, we can use MEG to find some biomarker from the brain that can 
can predict the early stage of Alzheimer's disease. Or for example, in, in patients with traumatic brain injury, we can use MEG based on the brain network and measure derived from that to distinguish mild TBI, mild traumatic brain injury study from the LC control. So from the research point of view, MEG has a lot of exciting applications and you know, can be, have been used in all these applications with a lot of promise to some of these research applications getting clinical approval in the future. Well, Dr. Babajani, and this is really exciting technology, how are you integrating the findings into a patient's overall diagnostic workup and for other providers? What are some of the challenges or limitations that should be considered when interpreting MEG data? So integrating MEG finding into a patient's diagnostic workup involves a multidisciplinary approach, make data along with other neuroimaging data like EEG and MRI, in addition to all clinical data and information, we will incorporate all of them in a careful analysis of the MEG data that we collected to find and to provide the final interpretation, result, and report for the result of the MEG that we provided for neurologists who refer MEG to us. So make a couple of challenges I would like to mention for MEG. First, the one challenge would be, you know, MEG, this compared to EEG, MEG is kind of more complex and complicated technology compared to a very simple technology like electroencephalography EEG. Because of that, it needs a specific trained expertise for analyzing, for collecting data and interpreting the result. Another aspect of the MEG need to be carefully considered is that an MEG is affected by various factors such as the head movement, the environment noise, the artifact generated by heart or eye movement. So these are the factors that essentially have a lot of effect on MEG data. And the person using MEG need to be very careful about the cleaning of the data, about interpretation and result of data, considering all these factors that affect very tiny, small brain signal, magnetic brain signal generated by neural activity. Another aspect of MEG need to be considered that there need to be a collaboration between MEG expert and clinicians when we do the clinical data toward finalizing the result in the way that the result ultimately has a clinical relevance at the end of the data collection and analysis. Are there any ethical or practical considerations involved in using this in clinical practice? How are you addressing these issues to ensure patient safety, privacy? Speak a little bit about that. First of all, I should say that MEG is a non-invasive technology. It is actually one of the most non-invasive technology that you would consider that. So safety of the patient is not a concern like MRI or other modality. Even MRI is non-invasive modality, but make is much more safer than any other technology that you would consider that. So from the point of view of the safety, make is completely safe. But from the privacy and ethical, I think we would consider that for any research that we be doing that and definitely providing informed consent from the patient and also protecting patient privacy and data security is an important part of our MEC practice. And also patient always will be provided with adequate information in advance that what is the purpose of their study, what is the potential risk and discomfort so that we will provide them to respecting the patient privacy and ethical things. Altogether, ensuring the well-being and safety of the patient during MEG measure is crucial for us. 
and this involved proper training and supervision of patient during the procedure and maintaining a safe and comfortable environment with the MEG facility. This is so interesting, and you've made such great points. That was very good information, Dr. Babajani, as we get ready to wrap up. Highlight some of the potential future directions for MEG research clinical applications, including its use in non-invasive brain-computer interfaces. I think the future of the MEG and the clinical application is very exciting and hold great premise. So MEG is advancing in both directions toward the hardware and toward the analysis. From the hardware point of view, we have a new technology that just recently you know, developed optically pumped magnometer or OPM MEG, which is compared to the squid EEG. That's a wearable EEG you can have on your head like a helmet and patient can move move around and all that provide a lot of flexibility regarding the moving of the patient and also provide more signal to noise issue because the sensor of OPM is closer to the brain. So that's from the hardware point of view, there's a lot of exciting avenue for enhancement. From the analysis data, as you said, the BCI, brain-computer interface, that's also very exciting. And I mean, actually, I am involved in project in patients with ALS. So for those patients who their brain is normal, but they cannot talk because of some neural issue that they have in their motor neuron disease. So for them, a non-invasive technology like MEG and EEG with integrating with artificial intelligence can be used, for example, to decoding the speech, for example, a patient talking about a word and the idea here is, okay, you think about the word and without saying that, the MEG combining with an artificial intelligence and machine learning can predict what in your mind and to say that for the communicating the patient with others. So yeah, altogether, it's very exciting, both the word and all the hardware and also the analysis integrating with the machine learning and AI. There's a lot of exciting advancement in the field of MEG. I'm very excited to see it in the near future. That's so cool, Dr. Babajani. Those future directions and potential applications are absolutely amazing. And thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise for other providers to learn more and to listen to more podcasts from our experts. Please visit innovation.ufhealth.org or you can visit ufhealth.org slash medmatters. That concludes today's episode of UF Health Med EdCast with UF Health Shands Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for joining us today.